0: At the start of a new year, we are often filled with a ton of energy and enthusiasm towards our goals. And we sometimes look towards having the best strategic plan to achieve our goals when we quite frankly need to begin with our mindset, which is exactly why I have invited Desiree Maya aka Coach Des, to join us today. Coach Des has over 15 years of consulting experience and is a credentialed transformational coach. Coach Des focuses on helping her clients crush their self-limiting beliefs and unapologetically embrace the unique individual's they are meant to be. She is also a podcast host and hosts the Born Unbreakable podcast. Welcome, Coach Des. Thank you so much for having me on the show,
1: Kristen. I've been really looking forward to this. I'm so excited for a brand new year and talking about mindset.
0: This is a topic that is critically important to achieving our goals and building big businesses, and living our best lives. So I can't wait to learn from you. And before we get there, I want to know more about your journey to becoming a coach. I've heard you say that you always knew your mission was to serve and lead others. Did you imagine living out that mission as a coach?
1: I did. And you know, it's funny because it started at a young age like third grade, (laughs) as far as just knowing that my purpose was to help people. And obviously through years, you figure out what that looks like. But even my high school counselor told me that is what I was destined to do. Something in the space of helping people, either counseling or coaching. And then of course, when I got to College, where you start getting a little bit more into your vibe and obviously getting exposed to so many different things and people, I fell naturally into the space of one, it starts sort of informally. You're listening to your friends, you're listening to your colleagues, you're listening to your family members, and that's the foundation of really good coaching is active listening. And then, of course, through the craft of practice and formal experiences, when I got into a consulting firm and coaching became part of my formal job description, that's when I started zeroing in on the more professional nature of what it looks like to coach people and was so fascinated by it that I actually went to a leadership institute to study even deeper the art of coaching in 2016. I went to that leadership institute and it's called Telios and it's based out of Philadelphia. Taught by faculty from the University of Pennsylvania. And then shortly thereafter, I I became certified because I was just so passionate about doing it.
0: I'm curious, what was it when you were in third grade that gave you insight to becoming a coach?
1: Well, the first thing was having the opportunity to run for class representative. (laughs) Part of it was the little leader in me that wanted to help speak on behalf or listen to the challenges, obviously, that you face in third grade that you need to advocate for. And it was just this natural feeling of wanting to be there for others. And if there was anything that I could do to help their goals come into fruition, I wanted to be a part of that. And so that manifested the leadership and coaching track that seriously, ever since that time from nine years old to now almost 30 years later, it's, it's been a devotion that I've had. So yeah, I found it really early.
0: <laughs> One of the things I learned last year is that success leaves clues. And I find that so inspirational that you can pinpoint an experience from third grade that has helped you become the coach and the influencer that you are today. I think we can all look back at our past and what were those things we enjoyed doing and what were our dreams when we were a child. And those can be incredible clues to how we can become the individuals we are meant to be. I know you're passionate about helping people embrace their unique individuality. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, my motto is to be unapologetically you. And I think I had to go on my own journey with that before I could believe it myself, if that makes sense. And I think that part of your craft is going through your own chaos. That is part of the learning that you have to go through. And what I realized is I felt like there was always a friction or a tension that was built because I was constantly wanting to be in service of others, which on its own is a wonderful thing. You want to please other people. You want to help other people. But in that, It's a double edged sword because you can lose yourself in the process. It's a delicate balance between doing what you think other people want for you, but making sure that it aligns with what you truly want for yourself. I remember going to an Oprah Winfrey event. It was at the beginning of 2020 in February, right before this. Whole COVID situation came upon us. One of the things that she said that struck me as she was going through the different decades of our life, and in your 20s, you're starting to form your opinions, you're starting to become more of who you are. And then in your 30s, your confidence gets raised because you have the beauty of experience. But then in your 40s, you work on getting rid of your disease to please. And that really hit me because I said, oh my gosh, I suffer from that. And then of course she went on through each of the decades and so forth. But when I heard that, I really took that in and said, what does that look like? What does it look like to get rid of the disease to please? And to me, it's standing up for who you are, even when who you are doesn't necessarily match up with maybe what someone else believes there would be things that people say to me and I I wouldn't know how to react to it. I'll give you an example. One of the things that people often ask me because I've been married, I've been in relationship, I love children so much, but I don't have my own. And they would ask, when are you having kids? Or isn't that a goal of yours? Or wouldn't you feel so much more complete? And it's unintentional. Nobody is trying to be malicious with these questions. I mean, it's coming from a good place. But obviously from a place of somebody who believes that is what you should quote unquote do, I had to get comfortable with saying, you know, I love kids so much and they're such an important part of my life, but I actually do feel really complete not having any of my own. And being okay with that, being okay with being somebody that Yeah, I live a little bit differently. I'm totally proud of that and happy with that decision for my life. I think the other thing that you recognize when you start being able to say out loud who you are, whatever that looks like, pick your category, pick your topic, is that the right people will get around you who are just fine with that. We're not here to satisfy everyone's desires of what they want for us. We are here to be the best version of ourselves and enrich the lives of those around us and those who accept us and don't judge us are the ones that are meant to be there.
0: There is so much for us to unpack in what you just shared. First, I want to recap the powerful lesson you learned from the Oprah event. In your 20s, you're forming your opinions. In your 30s, you're growing your confidence. And in your 40s, you get rid of that disease to please. And I too have found myself doing a lot of things as I've grown my business that I should be doing. And I once heard someone say, we need to stop shooting all over ourselves. What advice do you have to help us stop doing things to please others lean into our own intuition and what we want to do. Mm -hmm.
1: The first thing is to always follow your gut instincts. There's a reason that those are there. You have your head, you have your heart, and you have your gut. And your gut is usually the thing that speaks to you immediately. And when you follow that, you're not overthinking things. So that part of the first step is don't overthink things because when you catch yourself doing that, you know that you're starting to creep into a space of possibly being inauthentic. Our authentic selves are present at all moments. You don't have to think about being authentic when this is who you are. You're right here. When you tap into that, uh, that gives you confidence because you're proud of that and The second thing that I would say is have an attitude of curiosity, because when you carry that attitude, when people come and ask you questions that maybe make you feel like you have to explain something further, possibly even defend something, being in a state of curiosity means that you can ask them questions that opens a dialogue of now being in a space of mutual understanding. Most times people, as I said, don't have malintent. It's just that they don't have the context or enough information to understand where you lie. And part of that is you creating the psychological safety by being the example first for someone to ask them questions to understand where it is they're coming from. When you can be the person that has the maturity and the aptitude to create that space Now you've just invited somebody to get to know you better instead of being in a defensive posture because we do that. And I think if we can shift to that, it would create so many more bridges between us as individuals in the world when most of what we tend to see, if you do anything like watch the news, is everybody's in a defense posture. And when you do that, you build walls. I'm just a big fan of building bridges instead of walls and so creating that the safety to have these kind of enriching conversations is a great way for you to be able to be you while allowing somebody else to be them at the same time.
0: And I heard you mention if we are our authentic selves it can grow our confidence. Let's talk more about confidence. What are some additional ways we can build our confidence?
1: The first thing that I'd say about confidence is that it starts from the inside out. So that's just an important point that I wanna make because a lot of times when people think of confidence, they might think of something externally, which there's validity in that. But I think the greatest strength of confidence comes from inside, and that's mindset. So there's a couple of things that I would recommend working on uh, confidence. Mindset is the first thing. So, one, aspect of that is language. I believe that language is leverage and how we talk to ourselves is critical. I was in a mastermind the other day and we were talking about this concept of ants, which stands for automatic negative thoughts. (laughs) And it's ants. They're crawling around in our heads all the time. Now, the problem with these little critters is that we get conditioned with them because of things that happened in our past from when we were young, in our youth, in our childhood. The first indicator of somebody saying, Oh, you know, you're not very good at something could just be a peer, but sometimes maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, and it hits you and it sticks with you. So all of a sudden, these tiny little blocks build on top of each other and it creates these. Things in your head that says, oh, I must not be good enough for that then. Well, I probably shouldn't try that because I, I didn't do very well the first time. And so all these negative thoughts compile on each other and they become patterns that carry with us into our adolescence and unfortunately into our adulthood. And so then as adults, we're faced with having to recondition our language to help us understand our capability and capacity are much bigger than we actually believe they are. (laughs) So the way you talk to yourself is a critical factor in building confidence because there's a difference between saying, I don't know how to do this. I can't do this. Versus saying to yourself, how can I do this? Just in the way that you've said that, you've changed your language from limiting two possibilities. It's not to say it's an easy shift, but that small nuance of the words that you choose makes a a big difference in terms of what you believe that you're capable of. That's just one tip. And then, a secondary one, because I I won't sit here and say that external isn't important, uh, but the way we carry ourselves, simple things, our posture. When you're speaking, or when you're walking out in the world, there's a big difference if you're looking at me and my head's kind of down, I'm not making eye contact with you, I'm, I'm kind of uh, downtrodden versus if I have my posture up, I'm looking directly into Kristen's eyes, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about. That exudes confidence just in the way that I'm showing up because I've opened up the, these possibilities of us having an engaging conversation. Versus having an attitude of like, oh, yeah, I don't know about this. Even your attitude is a big thing. Because even if you're not an expert on the topic, again, going back to being curious, you can ask great questions. You don't have to be an expert on something. Confidence can be built by asking confident questions. You might land yourself in a conversation on some topic you have no idea about. Okay. Cryptocurrency, blockchain, uh, Bitcoin. I don't know. I'm just thinking of things that I've found myself in those conversations going, oh, I probably should investigate that further. Uh, Instead of cowering at this content that you don't have expertise in, ask great questions. So, you know, that sounds really interesting. I'd be curious about that. Tell me, how did you learn about that? How did you get interested? I'd love to learn more. That's a confident statement or a question. You can build. It just by how you show up, even if you're not the expert on whatever that subject matter is.
0: I've started to observe a lot of successful people get their needs met, and their needs might be seeking more knowledge, asking those questions. They're less afraid of looking foolish and not knowing the answer. And I quite frankly think they're more afraid of not learning and not growing. I love. How you shared that confidence can be built by asking great questions. And also, ants, what a powerful analogy to help us recognize that we all have these automatic negative thoughts. How do these ants get in our way of achieving our goals? And what advice do you have to help us crush these ants so we can have our best year ever?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> that's such a good question. Uh, first of all, they get in the way big time because they can stop us from pursuing our dreams, crushing our goals. Everything from asking that person on a date just because you had a relationship that didn't work out, going for that promotion just because you had a bad presentation, and all of a sudden you feel that you're unworthy for more. I mean. All of these things that sometimes are these temporary moments, turning them into permanent suffering doesn't serve us. So the first thing that you have to ask yourself is, how is this thought serving me? And the likelihood of the answer being that it's not is very high. It's probably not serving you. Then the next step becomes, what can I do? When I'm triggered, because the first step is self awareness. When you're aware of what's there, now you can do something about it. I've noticed that in this type of circumstance, this automatic negative thought creeps into my head. I'm aware of it. It bothers me. I wanna do something differently. What can I do? And then from there, maybe there's a, a few different ways that you can approach it. It could be in the moment, you shift your language, like I mentioned. Or you might want to say, let me, let me write on this. Let me journal on this and get to the root of what's happening here. And when you dig further, you find out where it comes from. Okay, this is something that comes up because of X, Y, and Z experiences. Well, you know what? That was one moment in time, and I'm ready to move on from that. So I'm going to let that go. Today, I'm going to let that go. I'm in a new space at a new time. With a new attitude, and that was a past. I can't change it. This is a present, and I can do something about that. It's not these grand gestures, it's recognition. And sometimes it's just a language shift. It's writing it out so you can acknowledge it and just make that, okay, I am telling myself it's on paper and I can come back to this moment.
0: That sounds so simple, Coach Des. It's not the grand gestures. It's about reflecting, journaling, understanding, and then allowing ourselves the opportunity to shift and take our power back. What recommendations do you have for someone who hasn't spent a ton of time journaling or reflecting? How can they start to build that into a practice they do on a regular Mm -hmm. basis?
1: Small bites. Small bites. I think Sometimes people think of a process like meditation or journaling, and because it's foreign or it feels like something you haven't done, it's just daunting. Like, I'm not going to sit there and write for an hour or meditate for an hour. And guess what? It doesn't have to be an hour. There's this um, this concept called Savers, and uh, it's a book. Savers is this morning ritual where you do a couple of things, and the S in there stands for scribe, and the other ones stand for things like meditating or values and things of of that nature. But the the recommendation is that you start doing those things in one-minute increments, and if you can manage to do that, then you can move to five minutes or 10 minutes. If it comes to something like journaling, at the very start of your day, before as you're having your cup of tea or coffee, it, it takes you pro- at least three minutes to finish your tea your coffee or orange juice, whatever it is that you're drinking for the morning. Use that time to write. Couple it with something that you're already doing that just takes a few minutes and then it doesn't seem like you're adding. You're creating a different way to have that experience and set your intention for the morning. And that's not intimidating because it doesn't take a whole lot of time. And then I bet you'd be surprised that doing it for three minutes um, isn't much. And then you could write a whole lot more as you continue that practice.
0: What a beautiful perspective we can apply to so many areas of our lives, different goals we're striving to achieve, different rituals we're looking to embrace. I, I heard you say add to an experience you're already doing. It's not like we have to find more time to do something because we're all so busy. Mm-hmm. And to start small. I believe we have this all or nothing mentality. And when we decide to go after these big goals, we think we have to run the marathon tomorrow when in reality, the first step might be walk around the block, do mm-hmm. that and build consistency. And that permission to start small is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. As you've worked with your clients on achieving big goals, what are some of the most common self-limiting beliefs that get in our way?
1: I'm not enough. I'm not capable. I fear the unknown. Fear is huge. (laughs) It's one of the biggest things I think that stand in people's way. And I get into conversations with clients of, What is the worst that can happen? Let's move into that fear because part of it is confronting it. And because often when something feels uncomfortable, we avoid it. It stays there. The longer you avoid something, the more it keeps showing up. When you confront it and have a conversation with it, just like you do a friend, maybe a conflict that you're trying to to resolve it's the same it's just an inner conflict instead of one with another person and those are usually the ones that are hardest to solve because we don't want to sit down and have conversations with ourselves that we need to <laughs> so naming it and and saying okay well what what is the worst that can happen and then reframing it to say okay well what's the best that can happen is Helping yourself to shift into this mindset, again, of abundance versus scarcity. Because there is enough to go around. There are opportunities that are meant to be seized. They're waiting for us to conquer them. And it's our mindset that gets in the way of these, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. That's impossible. I'm not good at that. I'm not a business person. I'm not an expert on money. What do I know about growing a business? I mean, these are just these questions. All the relationships I've had, they haven't really been that great. So I'm probably just not meant to just be in a relationship at all, ever. If you heard a friend saying that, would you buy that? No. You wouldn't buy that. No. You wouldn't buy that at all because you love that person enough to go, no, you're talking crazy talk right now. But we don't do that to ourselves. We allow it.
0: (laughs) Why do we do that? That's unfair. Why do we do that? Why do we allow those limiting beliefs and self-talk to happen with ourselves? Mm -hmm. Because
1: we live with our own triggers and we live with that inner child of wounds that we maybe haven't let go of or we haven't addressed or we haven't faced. But we don't see that of the people around us because we haven't lived their wounds It's easy for us to see other people at their best and to see ourselves at our worst because we know what that darkness looks like. We've been there. But imagine if we could give ourselves grace and again, this goes back to confidently embrace the learning opportunities that you've had in your life and say, that relationship didn't work out and there's responsibility on both ends for that. And the only part that I can control is me And here's a couple of the things that I noticed that I did that I can do better. And then focus on that. It doesn't mean it's never going to happen again. It just means that there's different things to work on. So then when you move on to the next relationship, you can be better than the last one. Because really all we're doing every day is wanting to be better than we were yesterday. That's all we can do. So it's not to dwell on what we didn't do right. It's to lean into our full capabilities to focus on where we can grow. And when we look at that as a positive, it's limitless. And that, that's the reason why in, in big or small businesses, they do things like post-mortems or they have these lessons learned conversations after they engage with a client and something didn't go right. Or something happened within the team, and employee engagement scores weren't so great. The reason you diagnose those things is so you can pinpoint. Oh, okay, these are things that we we had a blind spot. We could do better, but it doesn't mean never do it again. (laughs) It's not defeat. It's learning. And when you look at things in that light of this is just an opportunity for us to learn and grow you'll start to change the attitude of failure into growth and transitioning to the next best thing.
0: Do you think we ever arrive at a space where we're completely confident and fearless? Or do you think this is ongoing work that each of us has to do? It's
1: ongoing. I wish that I could tell you that there is this day where we wake up and are omnipotent and we have that titanic type of feeling moment where we're at the edge of the boat and we're just arms spread out like I can conquer the world. Those moments are there, but for every moment like that, there's a moment in between where we question ourselves. But I would offer to your listeners To use that as a good sign. And I'll give you an example. The other day, a good friend of mine called and has been in restaurant management forever, but got a new kind of more elevated uh, restaurant management job in a more high end restaurant and went from feeling like on top of the world. In the previous positions, to being like, I feel very insecure. These people have X experience. This makes me nervous. Uh, Understandable. I think anybody can relate to that moment in their life where they're like, I know I have skills. I know I have capabilities, but this is kind of new. I'm trying to figure out how to apply these skills and capabilities in this new environment. Discomfort is good, it's a sign of growth. And also, we need to be humbled. Humility is a huge part of growth and success. Meaning when you're at that moment, when you need to do the learning and going back to being the person that's asking the questions, you want to be in that position sometimes. Because if you're always in the position where everybody's coming to you and asking you and you're the expert, What are you doing to help other people grow around you if you're the one that has all the answers? If you want to build a team and you want to build people around you, then you're wanting to help them. And so it's good for us to be in these moments of discomfort because it's just a sign of growth. We don't want to just walk around all day feeling like we know everything because it becomes boring and complacent. And I don't, I don't think anybody listening to Elite Achievement Podcast wants to just do the same thing every single day for the next 20 years. I think that people are here because they want to challenge themselves and they're okay, even if they're a little scared, to be uncomfortable.
0: I am so appreciative that you shared this expectation around great moments and moments where we are confident and that it's okay in between to question ourselves and how we can reframe that perspective. Discomfort is a sign of growth. I think that's helpful because so often we think, why am I not perfectly confident all the time? When am I ever going to be fearless? That is not the reality. We need to adjust that expectation.
1: It is. If you listen to any of some of the greatest speakers and influencers, uh, Les Brown, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey—we we just talked about—they have the moments too. Y- you're not going to hear them. You get to see them on stage when they're at their best. When you listen, when you take time to listen to a podcast or an interview or something that they've done, you'll hear them talk about the moments when they they weren't sure, they were second guessing themselves. They. Realize they made a mistake and decided that they needed to go in a different direction. It's a part of being human. We're not robots. We have imperfections. We have good days and bad days. And I think that is what makes us resilient. The fact that we can bounce back from those moments and that's just a part of life. But we do have to, because I I imagine there's a lot of people who are listening that have A-type personalities that always want to be at, at your best, but part of the maturity in that space is grace, giving ourselves grace for the moments when we need to take a step back and reevaluate for the moments that we actually decide that we're going to lessen the pressure on the accelerator or maybe even hit the brake. Because sometimes. We need to, I do a lot of executive coaching and change management work. And one of the mantras that I have is sometimes we need to slow down to speed up, which means every now and then taking a purposeful pause, reflecting on a situation, determining if there needs to be a course correction, will pay dividends later instead of just rushing through because it's what we always do. It's Not always the best solution.
0: Slow down to speed up and learning to give ourselves grace. Coach Des, this has been such an inspiring conversation. We've explored so many important topics today, such as owning our journey, how confidence comes from the inside out, the acronym ANTS, automatic, negative, and it's easy to see others at their best and us at our worst. If anyone listening is inspired to connect with you, where can our listeners learn more about you and the work that you do?
1: I'm so happy to share that. The easiest way is to go to bornunbreakable.com, and I have all my socials on there. My Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Clubhouse, you can learn a little bit more about me, connect with me, email me, um, follow my socials, my podcast, like you mentioned at the beginning, and it's called Born Unbreakable. I try to keep it really simple
0: for people. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, your passion, your thoughts with us here today.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been amazing, Kristen.
0: Thank you so much. With that goal, achievers keep celebrating your weekly wins, noting the lessons that you learned, and identifying your priorities for next week so you can consistently pursue progress in the direction of your goals. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you are feeling inspired and want to join the Goal Achievers community, visit my website, kristenburke.com to sign up and get connected. We can also hang out socially on Instagram. Follow me at Burke. Links are in the show notes. Don't forget to rate, review, and share this show. Until next time, goal achievers, keep progressing towards your goals and celebrate those weekly wins.